Hello, welcome to Book Talk. This is your host, Anthony Moirode. And at Book Talk, we always have a guest come and tell us about his book or her book. Today we have someone who's been here before, but said, I'm coming back. I'm sure he's back. And uh, even before I move on, I just welcome him so that we can proceed with him around us. Please welcome to the show, Rari Davis. Hi, Rari. Thank you. Hey, hello, Anthony. Thank you. Thank you very much. And I'm happy to be back. Thank you for having me back. Yes, and we are glad to have you back here. You shared with us last time where we talked about uh, spiritually hacked. But today yes. we are going back to something that you also have a passion on, which is education. Now, for those of you who may not have seen uh, the previous episode that we had with Larry, I would like to highlight to you that uh, Rari is an educator. He's written several books uh, that improve schools and teacher retention, and he's presented in more than 20 cities and states. Yes. So he's got the experience. He's been a superintendent. He's headed uh, schools. And so he has quite much of an experience. Now, the last time he was here, we talked uh, something about uh, Christian uh, principles and he, on the book that he's written known as uh, Spiritually Hacked. But today we are going to be on another topic. So here we go. Now, that's the introduction, Rally. But there's something maybe you would have wanted to add to what I just introduced you. Well, you know, I think uh, I think you, the introduction was perfect because we talked about spiritually hacked and all things are made possible through Jesus Christ who strengthens us. Right. Amen. It's my son's favorite verse, uh, uh, Philippians 413. And I actually got him a hoodie and my daughter hoodie that says that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So uh, perfect introduction. And like you said, I'm a man of God. I'm a blessed father of two. And I work as an educator. Education is what I do, not who I am. I am a man of God. I'm a servant of God. I'm a, a, a parent, first and foremost. So uh, we're here to talk about something that, I, that is near and dear to me, that is very, you know, I'm very passionate about. Um, and it's education, is educating our children. So thank you. Yeah, beautiful. And even before we go further, I see something behind you. It says, can you move slightly to one side? Dad. A son's first hero. <laughs> Please tell us something yes. about that. So let me let me tilt this a little bit more, and you'll mm -hmm. see something above it. And it says, "Yeah, a dad is a daughter's first love." Mm. And Beautiful. so, you, my son and my dad. Yes. So. Yeah. So you you are both about your son and your daughter, and that's, uh, right. that's a complete family. I mean, that's right. <laughs> and, we are. Uh, we... Yeah. Go ahead. No, I said, and and you know that's that's if you when we look at the Bible and we look at the Word, our 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 charge from God is to be be good parents, mm -hmm. right? To be good stewards, and a good steward is someone who who makes sure their children are taken care of, their families taken care of first and foremost, right? So yes, so being a dad is the greatest job in the world. Yeah, I don't take days off. I mm -hmm. don't get sick, and I never take vacation. Being a dad, that's how great that job is. Beautiful. And I like the fact that uh, someone said that home is the first school of any 
any child. Yes. So yes. if if they start well, that's good for them. If they start bad, then someone somewhere is going to have a hard time. I agree. If they're not opening up books at home, they're not opening up books at school. Ah, great. If they're not listening to their parents at home, they're not listening to teachers at school. You're exactly right. Oh, yeah, sure, sure. Now, we go into the book that you've written. It's known as, please tell us, Working, working with, with Our, our 4D Students. Yes. Yes, and uh, working and, with, uh, yes, I understand working with our, I understand, and students, I understand, but what's the 4D? Defiant, difficult, disrespectful, and disruptive. Defiant, difficult, disrespectful, and disruptive. And disruptive, yes. Now, <laughs> those, are, those are students who have come from maybe a not so supportive home, so they are defiant, they are difficult, they are disrespectful, and disruptive. Are there, are there students who haven't had success in school? Yeah. And so if they haven't been, if they haven't found anybody who supported them at the school or who, who's decided to build a relationship with them at the school, who's connected with them at the school, they're not connected to the school. Mm -hmm. So they feel invisible. So how do they get, how do they make themselves visible by being defiant, disrespectful, disruptive, you know? Mm -hmm. So, and so, and that's what, we, and disrespectful. So you have to look at those things. So sometimes it's the things, and I'm going to say this all the time in my, my, in my eyes, Mm -hmm. It's the actions of the adults yeah. that, that could curb the actions of children. Because mm -hmm. every time a child acts up, it's a teachable moment. And we don't have to punish them for everything they do wrong, right? There is no school in, this, in the world that can say we are a top-rated school because of how we discipline kids. No, mm -hmm. there is not any school in the world that has become a, best, a, 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 a blue ribbon school, a top-flight school, uh, uh, A-rated school because they punished kids into it. No, they became that way because they built relationships with kids. And oh, so oh. the book, Working With Our 4D Students, talks about, I call it Brace Yourself, B-R-A-C-E. It believes, okay. beliefs, relationships, attitudes, culture, and environment. But based on the, this is all based on adults, adults' belief adult relationships with children, adults attitudes, adult built cultures, adult built environments, not students, right? And so mm -hmm. when we look at those things, we learn. What we do in these five areas will help a student far more than any punitive action we can ever give a kid. Mm -hmm. In fact, whenever we, whenever we send a kid home, excuse me, whenever we send a kid home, that kid is missing school. Mm -hmm. So there's no learning taking place, yeah. right? Yeah. So that's why I say working with and not dealing with. You deal with a power outage. You deal with running out of gas. You deal with things. When you deal with something, it's a frustration. Mm -hmm. When you work with something, when you it's a it's it's cooperative. You're working with it. It's more it's, it's more communicative. It's more cooperative. But when you deal with something, it's a frustration. So that's mm -hmm. why I call that's why the book is titled Working With Our 4D Students. And the thing is, every student can be a 4D student at some point in their career, their, their lives if they don't have the right adults in it. Oh yeah, I agree with you. And uh, it's quite a challenge. I mean, I've been in school and everybody who's listening to this has been in school and you can attest to this that uh, in every school that you go to, you'll never miss those students. That's, the, that's my imagination. If in my school they were there, in other schools I've had they are there. So 
<laughs> in every area. Just like they say, you can never miss a madman in the market. That's a, an African saying. <laughs> now, tell me about that. A madman in the market. What does that mean? I mean, I mean, every market that you go to, you are going to meet with challenges. I mean, people who are not cooperative, someone who wants to disrupt you, someone that wants to mm, just make trouble anyhow. So in every market, there's a madman. So yeah. <laughs> that, that's what we say. Like you find that uh, if you agree with that, I mean, you, you've been to jobs, you've been to schools, and you'll always find some difficulty somewhere. Is that true? You know, it's, it's exactly true. There, there's no message without the mess. Yeah. Right. Uh -huh. You have to have the mess before you get your message. Okay. Uh, as the Christians say, there's no testimony without the test. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. And so yeah. you, you got to understand that. And here's the thing, though. You can't prepare yourself for the next journey in your life without going through trials and tribulation. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So before you can get ready for this next big thing in your life, you need to deal with things that prepare you for it. Mm -hmm. No one grows stronger by dealing with their strengths. We only grow stronger by dealing with our weaknesses, yeah. right? We yeah. only grow from our mistakes, right? We only learn from problems, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So if Anthony wants to be a, a, the king of, of whatever, or a CEO or a CFO, first and foremost, he has to learn, right? Mm -hmm. He has to learn. He has to learn what what are the things he doesn't know about the CEO role. What are the things he doesn't know about the CFO because that role he's never had before, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So these challenges, as we see them, and the challenges, it may be a person, mm -hmm. it may be a learning difficulty, it may just be new, it may just be a, a group of people who are trying to hold you back. Uh, again, the, these difficult people in our lives, right? Mm -hmm. I always look at those as opportunities because those difficulties is going to make me better. Oh yeah, sure. And I like the fact, uh, just like you mentioned before, you're using dealing with the challenges, difficulties, yeah. and then we come back to working with the students that are 4D. Now, yes. can we go slowly here? We, you, you talk about BRACE, which is B-R-A-C-E. Uh, uh, let's, let's believe, uh, let's start with the believe, which is B. Please tell us how to go about yeah. that. So here's the thing. Uh, mm -hmm. And so if I, I don't want to speak about it from just a classroom perspective, because I want everyone to kind of get, understand what I'm saying here. Okay. Um, there is a family in our community. Mm -hmm. uh, there is a, there's people in our community. And, and you know that nine times out of 10, when you see this group of people, it's going to be some kind of problems, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So automatically our belief is, okay, here come this group of people. There's going to be problems, right? Mm -hmm. It's going to be some kind of issue, right? So our belief, even without knowing the facts, every time we see these people, our belief is here comes drama. Mm -hmm. Here comes some kind of problem. Well, that's the way some teachers look at students mm -hmm. because generationally, the big brother, the big sister was problems. You know, the younger brother, younger sister. Now here's the last sibling coming in and they go, oh, I had that student's brothers. They're horrible. I am so, I feel so bad for you. Mm -hmm. You see, these are our beliefs. Our beliefs are, uh, there's a term called the halo effect, mm -hmm. right? And the halo effect wants you to believe that a good kid can never be bad and a bad kid can never be good, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. and, you, and so when you think about that, I want to make sure my phone is turned down too, Anthony, sorry about that. But when you think about that, that, mm -hmm. that belief that this kid, can this kid can never be good and this kid can never be bad, yeah. 
there are students who teachers think are great students. They're top 10 students. They're great kids. They come from great families. Uh, their, their parents work in the district. These students can turn in late work and not have any problems. Mm -hmm. But then there's those students that, oh, this is a this kid doesn't never do his homework. He never does this. So he finally turns in work late and the teacher won't take it because it's late. Mm -hmm. The good student gets a break. The bad student doesn't. That's a belief, right? Mm -hmm. And, and this, this uh, teacher feels justified in that because traditionally this kid is a bad kid. So why should I expect anything different? Yeah. And the teacher feels justified in taking the work from the good kid is, well, this kid normally does all the work. So this is just one. And I'm just making this one exception this one time. Mm -hmm. But it's more than that. So that's the belief, our belief. That's a, an adult belief that a mm -hmm. kid can never be a good kid and a, a bad kid can never be a good kid and a good kid will never be a bad kid. But we know that they're children and that's why we're there to help them grow. Mm -hmm. and, know, that's, that's, and that's that's the work of the, I mean, that's that's why you are there as a teacher to show them and guide them in yes. the, right, in, in the yes, right direction. So in, in, here you are pointing to the fact that I should uh, have that belief that I have the potential to influence this young uh, mind into moving in the right direction. And, right. Uh, and, and, and because they're in the same class with this other one, we, whom I perceive to be more brighter, more cooperative, and make them bond together, blend together, and assist one another. And the belief I have to have with me is that any change is possible if someone is given the, great, the, the, the right guide. That's why you took the job. That's yeah. why you took the job, right? Mm -hmm. And when you don't believe, when you don't believe a child can change, what you're saying is, I don't believe in my skills as an educator mm -hmm. because that's my job, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. My job is to take that child where, where they are when they come into my building, my classroom, and take them to where I need them to be when they leave at the end of the year. Yeah. My job is not to judge them. Mm -hmm. And when we start judging children, those are our beliefs, right? Yeah, sure. So, yeah. And we even judge kids. Here's the thing. Let's say in, in, in the United States and in, in Texas, for sure. Right. Mm -hmm. So uh, four elementary schools will feed into two middle schools. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, well, I'm sorry. Yeah. Four elementary schools will feed into a middle school. Okay. One, uh, two middle schools feed into one high school. OK. Right. Yeah. And there are people there. There are people on campuses who will say, oh, I can tell. Uh, what kids came from which middle school based on their attitude, how they behave, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so what you're saying is based on this kid's neighborhood, this kid's zip code, I can tell you if that's a good or a bad kid. See, that's a belief. <laughs> and that's, that's, that's wrong. So you've already prejudged this kid. You've already set the standard that this kid is not going to make an A in your class mm -hmm. because you expect the worst. And when this kid gives you the best, you still give that kid the lowest possible grade because why should you give them the best grade? Those are yeah, our beliefs. Yeah. And those are, those are kids. And uh, Condoleezza Rice said, uh, we should not, our level of education should not be dictated based on our zip codes. Yeah. You know, and, and, and so a belief is that a kid mm -hmm. comes from a certain neighborhood, a kid comes from a certain community, a kid comes from a certain family. Uh, that's going to be a bad kid, good kid, uh, average kid, right? So that's what we mm -hmm. look at. And those are our beliefs. So in, in working with these four D students, we need, first of all, to adjust our beliefs. Definitely, definitely. Okay. So let's go into relationships. What do you say about it? I mean, 
That's the, the R in the brace. You know, here's the thing. Everyone in this in this world is, are, is I don't care if they say they're a recluse. I don't care if they say they're a, an extrovert or introvert. Mm-hmm. They're relational, right? Mm-hmm. They have to have some type of relationship. That's just our sanity, right? Yeah. You have to have some kind of outlet, some kind of intake, right? So mm-hmm. our relationships, we know this. <clears throat> Students come to school when they're known by their when they're known by their teachers, engaged in their work, and connected to the school. Mm-hmm. Known by teachers, engaged and connected. Mm-hmm. Known, engaged, connected. All those are relational, right? All those yeah. things are relational, mm-hmm. and so we want to make sure that our kids, our, our teachers, know who to know the kids. Speak to them. Talk to them in the hallway. Make that invisible barrier disappear. Kids, if they're known by their teachers. They want to come to school because they feel like it's a place they belong, right? Mm-hmm. Remember that uh, there's a TV show years ago called Cheers, and the theme song said, "Everybody wants to go where everyone knows their name," right? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, and and that's the thing. P- teachers want uh, students want to know that you are there for them. Okay. Let me give you a really good example. I had a young a teacher, young teacher, first year teacher, ninth grade algebra one teacher, mm-hmm. wrote more referrals, office referrals on kids had the highest failure rate, had classroom management issues, and everybody wanted to chalk it up to the fact that he was a first-year teacher. Mm-hmm. I met with the teacher, and I brought him into, and we met in the conference room, and uh, and I talked to him. And so, and, and we talk about this in the book, too, as well, but I met with him, and I said, here's what I see. You tell me what you see. And the first thing he said was, they don't want to do work, they don't like math, and they don't like me, mm-hmm. and they don't want to be in school. I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. Everything was they, they, they. Nothing was him, right? Mm-hmm. And I asked him, I said, you're a ninth grade teacher. Have you, have you gone to any ninth grade football games? Nope. Have you gone to any choir concerts? You should. Nope. Uh, when you go to the pet rally, do you just stay in your area? Do you come down where the kids can see you? I don't go to the pet rallies. I hang out in the hall. I do hall duty. Oh, okay. Uh, have you been to the, any of the band concerts, any, any, any theater things? No, I haven't done any of those things. I said, those students don't think you're there for them. Mm-hmm. They think you're here for a paycheck. I said, this is what I want you to do. This Thursday, the freshmen are playing. And I want you to go to the game on Thursday. And I want you to walk down the, down the, uh, the track, right behind the bench of the football team. Mm-hmm. And I want you to speak to the coaches. I want everybody, to, I want you to just be loud, speaking to every coach. I want everyone to see you walk behind that bench. And I want you to sit on the first row in the bleachers. Mm-hmm. And then I want you to go to the, there's going to be a, a choir concert uh, this uh, this Saturday. It's going to be at two o'clock. If you can go, I want you to go. And I want you to make sure you sit right there on the front row. When it, so when the lights are up, everybody see you. When the lights go down, you're the last person they see. When the lights come back up, you're the first person they see. I want you to on that front row. He did that, right? First mm-hmm. of all, he enjoyed himself. Let me say that. He yeah, enjoyed yeah. himself. Mm-hmm. Secondly, the students came in the very next week saying, I saw you at the game, Mr. Han. I saw you at the game. I saw you at the game. Now, all of a sudden, he's there for them. Okay. He's going to their events supporting them. Mm-hmm. He's at the choir concert. Oh, what was your favorite play? What was your favorite thing? What did we do wrong? And he, and he started talking to them. The very next semester, the very next six weeks, grading period, almost zero referrals. Passing rate is above school average. Mm-hmm. Classroom management, zero classroom management issues because students realize that he was there for them. Mm-hmm. See, that was a relationship. He built that relationship. Mm-hmm. Two years later, Anthony, he became a, an assistant football coach. Oh. 
because he saw the importance of building that relationship. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when I first became, I, when I, I, I did a sub, I substituted one year. Mm-hmm. And on my very first job, I substituted on this teacher's desk. It said, kids don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And I thought, wow, that's a cheesy thing. But guess what? That's a reality. Mm. Right? Just like an adult. An adult doesn't care how much you know until they know that you really care about them. Right? Well, our students are the exact same way. So when he learned that, Mm. building that relationship, it became incredible. And so that's, that's important, that relationship. I had teachers greet students at the door every day. How you doing? Call them by their first name. Yeah. That's important. You know, it's, you think about this. If your boss meets you at the front door and welcomes you in every day versus you come in and you go to your workstation, you say, get to work. There's no relationship in the second one. There's mm-hmm. a lot of relationship in the first one. Mm-hmm. So we did, we did that. We worked on relationships. Uh, getting rid of invisible kids. Anthony, I'm gonna give you another one. This is a really quick one. Uh, took over school. It had been failing four years. Mm-hmm. For the last four years, it was failing school. Not a low-performing school, a failing school. Low performing mean they're getting there, but they just low. Failing mean they missed the bar. Yeah, and, okay. Yeah, so mm-hmm. I, I looked at a guy with my new staff. It was all the same teachers, but I had four brand new assistant principals. Four brand new assistant principals had never done the job before. Okay. We looked at the number of students who did not belong to, was not were not in athletics, did not belong to a club organization, wasn't in band, wasn't in choir, wasn't in uh, theater. And we were looking at about 60% of our kids. Okay. So I asked every teacher to find two students that were not in their classroom. And I want you to identify these two students. I want you to talk to them twice. I mean, uh, yeah, I want you to talk to them twice a week in two different settings for two months. I call it the Mm -hmm. two by two by two, right? Okay. And so, of course, every teacher did not do it. And you and you got to expect that, you know, there are some teachers who just aren't going that this who they are, right? Yeah, I agree. Said Every market has a madman. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so speak to these two students twice a week in two different settings for two months by the end of that two months we had dropped our referrals by 66 percent mm. because students were known by teachers mm-hmm. right and then yeah. teachers teachers started saying why don't you join choir why don't you join this and 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 students started coming to teachers room and eating lunch during the lunch period in that teacher's room because they had a place to go a place to belong yeah, that relationship, that relationship, not adults, that relationship with an adult, that being known by teachers, that being engaged in the school, changed our whole discipline profile. We were under the state, we were uh, stage three, which means that when you get to stage four, the state is going to come in and go, what's wrong with you here, right? Mm-hmm. We went from stage three to stage one in the course of a year because we dropped our referrals by 66% just by building relationships with students. And imagine how it would have been if every teacher would have done it, right? I can every teacher, yeah. And mm-hmm. here's the thing. I could tell you which teachers had not done it because their referrals remained high. Their failure rate remained high, right? And those mm-hmm. teachers left at the end of the year. And I'm okay with that. Ah. And I can already, even before we go to the other letters, I can already see how important and how great that this book is when it... Uh, it reminds me to check on my beliefs on the people I meet, not even only in students, uh, but also in the, with the people that I meet and build relationships. So that's that, right. <laughs> so 
For those of you who are joining us right now, either live or those who are going to get to listen or watch uh, to this interview later, we are with Larry Davis and we are covering the book that is written working with our 4D students, the 4Ds being defiant, difficult, disrespectful, and disruptive. We've covered so uh, two of the letters in the acronym BRACE, which is Believes Relationships. We'll go to the third one. Maybe we may not finish all of them, but if you like, we can finish all of them. But uh, sometimes I like leaving it there so that people can go and go get the book and see the rest of them. <laughs> I'm okay with that. Yeah, so let's go to A. Attitude. Attitude. You know, I think attitude in life is everything, right? Yeah. You know, so there's, there's two uh, cliches and everybody knows them. One is, it doesn't matter if you say you can or you can't. Mm -hmm. Whichever one you believe, that's that right. make it so, right? It makes yep. it so that's your attitude, right? Yeah. And and some people say inside our inside of our bodies, there's two animals fighting against each other. One is good, one is bad. And so well, who wins the fight? The one that you feed the most. Oh, right. Sure. Your the attitude you right? is going to win. It's going to win, right? So mm -hmm. it's our attitude. And our attitude is is how we change things, how we just wait a minute. See, where our belief is this is something we truly believe is embedded. Our attitude is swayed by just our emotions, right? Yes, and, and before we even go further, I'm, I'm a bit confused with these two terms and you'd better make them clear for us so that we, yeah. we proceed well. Uh, you're talking about something, the beliefs and attitudes seem to me like one, or the, uh, one, one and the same thing, or maybe make it clear for us. Well, our beliefs are usually something cultural. Our beliefs are something in our background. Our beliefs are something that, We've had um, we've had dealing with so this is our beliefs. It, it mm -hmm. could be something that was taught to us, and it doesn't have to make it right or wrong, right? Okay, but it was yeah. something that was taught to us, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, a belief could be, you know, uh, historic a historical thought. There's something mm -hmm. that you you've heard from generation from generation to generation, and mm -hmm. it becomes a belief. It doesn't make it so, mm -hmm. but it makes it a belief, right? And mm -hmm. this is sometimes where we get the uh, what we call them a stereotypes. Yeah. The stereotypes become sometimes our beliefs, right? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. because it's something we believe, it, it you know we like oh well you know my grandparents told me this you know we have a cultural or we have a historical connection to why we believe that to, mm -hmm. to be so, right. Mm -hmm. Our attitude is mostly emotions, right? Okay. Our attitude when when someone comes to work with a bad attitude, something happened then that moment to spur it, right? It's emotional, right? It may mm -hmm. not be a historical con a connection to it. There may not be a uh, there may not be a reason for why. It just may okay. be that moment, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. uh, so when you have a teacher with an attitude that and and this is here's a big one. There, a lot of teachers in the United States started teaching years and years ago because they got Christmas off. They got spring break off. They got Thanksgiving off. They got three months during the summer off. That's a great job, right? Mm -hmm. Well, but over time, we've increased the academic days and those times have been greatly reduced. So, and, you know, you had classrooms with 22, 24 kids in it. Now we have classrooms with 30 kids in it. Yeah. You don't get three whole months off. Mm -hmm. So, you know, our attitudes can be swayed by events that's going on throughout the day. Okay. Right. Yeah. And so 
I, you know, and again, but I believe this, if you can, and, that, and as an adult, our minds are solid. Mm -hmm. They've grown, you know, mm -hmm. and we have the capacity as adults to deal with the uh, not fully developed mind of a child, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? So a child, yeah. we know, uh, uh, was it uh, Locke? Locke said children are storm and stress, right? When he, he, he categorized teenagers and, and adolescents as storm and stress, right? If there's a storm in their life, the kid is stressed out. Mm -hmm. But everything is a storm and everything is stressful. Well, it's not like that with adults, right? Yeah. And so that's our attitude. Our attitude is something that can be swayed emotionally. Okay. Right. Or swayed by some event that just mm -hmm. happened, right? So okay. we talk about it, uh, uh, the attitude of the adult, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The attitude of the adult is if Anthony acts up in my class and I have to put him out of class today, when Anthony comes back tomorrow, my attitude has to be, welcome back, Anthony. Okay. It has okay. to be, thank you. coming. So when I was a teacher, if, if, and it was rare that I put a kid out of class, I mean, it had to be something crazy, right? It had mm -hmm. to be something really way out there. But if I put a student out of class yeah, or they went to IS or if a student went to ISS for mm -hmm. something they did in the building and they were gone for which is in school suspension and they were gone for three days. When they came back to class, that, is the that student is the first student I asked a question to. Okay. Do you know why? Why? Because I had to make sure his attitude was, oh, wow, Mr. Davis expects me to know this. And I let him know that my attitude was, welcome back. Welcome back, Anthony. Oh. Right? And so mm -hmm. the student would go, Mr. Davis, I've been in a school suspension for the last three days. I'm like, yeah, but I took your work up there. He goes, oh, well, I, I missed that. Okay, well, we'll we're going to come back to you later, but I want you to catch up on this. So now, whatever that kid has done is in the past, and he can see that because my attitude is, I'm glad you're here. Mm-hmm. You see that attitude, that daily attitude. And here's the thing, the attitude is what kids remember, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Your beliefs, they can see it. But I would tell teachers this, I need you to be a great teacher five out of five days, not 181 days, which is a whole school year because that's too much to take on. Yeah. But I need you to be a great teacher five out of five days because that one day you're not a great teacher it's going to be the one day that students and parents remember. Mm -hmm. And you it think usually happens it. in every other thing. I mean, something, you, you do a uh, hundred good things and just one of the bad things that you do changes the perspective of those who are <laughs> watching you. And they, and, they, and, they, and they hold on to that, even though now that one thing is defining you with this group of people, but it doesn't matter if it does or doesn't with those group of people, because you know, you know, there was just one bad day, mm -hmm. but it's something that parents and students are going to bring up. Well, you remember the time Mr. Davis threw the book at the wall because he was so angry? Yeah. And then the every generation of kids who come into the building, is that the teacher who threw the book at a kid? Is that the teacher who threw a book at a parent? Is it going to grow? No, that's grow what we remember. <laughs> yeah. It's, and you're like, wait a minute. No, I threw a book at a wall. But mm -hmm. uh, that's our attitude. And so our attitude has to be short. We okay. can't hold on to it. We have to let it go, right? We have to let it go. Uh, I had a teach, had a student uh, pretty much just use profanity all the time, right? Mm -hmm. And I called his parents and I picked up the phone and said, hi, this is Mr. Davis. I'm your son's so-and-so teacher. I like, you know, and the first thing the mom said, the mom just started, what has this? And she just started cursing just profusely, right? Mm -hmm. And for the next 30 seconds, I was just listening to her curse, curse, curse. And as soon as she finished, I said, well, I'd just like to tell you, 
He's doing a great job and just want to let you know, I enjoy having him in class, right? Because mm -hmm. in that moment, my attitude about this kid's cussing in class and using profanity all the time changed. He was only yeah, doing yeah. what happened at his household. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, the way yeah. his parents spoke. So that's how he spoke. Yeah. Right. The first institution is at home. Yes, that's uh -huh. right. And so I learned. And so so I, I started working with that student and I said, okay, here are four words you cannot use in my classroom. Mm -hmm. Right. And then I said, so then I said, and and here you can only, you know, look, if you slip up and say something, fine. But then I got with the other students, listen, let's not uh let's not reinforce his behavior by laughing when he uses these words. Let's move on, right? Let's just let mm -hmm. it go. Move on. And so by the end of the semester, I know this doesn't sound great, but he was down to two, using two cuss words, uh, profane, profane words, a uh, period. Yeah, down yeah. to two. Listen, the, at first it was the whole period. <laughs> I understand. You know, mm -hmm. That's attitude. And so I changed, I changed his attitude, right? And here's mm -hmm. the thing, Anthony, here's, here's the beauty in it. You, it's, it's harder to change someone's attitude right? It's easier to change their behavior. I know people think that's not true. They mm -hmm. think the other way around. No, no, no. So you think about this. Uh, back in the days of when we had slavery in the United States, right? Mm -hmm. and, and Blacks wasn't welcome here. Blacks wasn't welcome here. You had Blacks only found, Whites only found. Well, they did away with those things, right? Yeah. And so they did away with separate but equal. So kids had to... Uh, come to school together, Blacks, white, Hispanics, Asian, everybody's in one building now, right? Mm -hmm. Right. So at first, remember the behavior was to block that door. Don't let the Blacks in. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. So, but guess what? We changed the behavior because now Blacks, whites, Hispanics, Asian students are being educated in the same building, in the same classroom, right? Mm -hmm. By different colored teachers. But that doesn't mean the attitude of those teachers is welcoming of those races. Mm -hmm. The behavior has changed, but the attitude isn't. No, so the attitude, change, could, yeah, 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 the attitude. So it. the behavior we can change, right? I can mm -hmm. change your behavior at work because you want to keep your job, but it doesn't mean you're gonna like me. Yeah, you're still gonna have an attitude. So, so the beliefs still remain, and the attitude could still be there. But I am yes. gonna change the way I am gonna respond to actions just because of my situation. Yes, and here's mm -hmm. the thing. What you want to do in that case, you want to take the if you if you if I can change your behavior to do the right thing, right? Mm -hmm. Even if your attitude is negative, right? Yeah. When we okay. implement new policies and things to support children learning. There's always those teachers who say, oh, "Let me give you a better example." Let me give you a better example. Mm -hmm. I was a, an administrator who said, "You do not take points off late work." Right? There mm -hmm. are so many teachers who believe, "Well, if they turn in a day late, I should take 25 points off." Well, if here's a student who turns in a, a paper that's a 75. And you take 25 points off, they just failed. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I was like, no, we did, I did away with that policy on my, that, that was timing the policy. That was just a practice. I did away with that practice on my campus. And no teacher liked the fact that I did away with it. Right. Well, I shouldn't say yeah. that. A lot of teachers did not like the fact I did away with it. Mm -hmm. But when I showed them this, the, the documentation, the, the statistics, the historical data that says, if you do all these things to make sure a child is, success, is successful, that child will be successful when it comes to intercourse exams, AP exams, SAT, ACT exams, right? Mm -hmm. When you when you punish a kid for turning in late work, 
what you've done was reinforce the belief that that kid is not going to turn any more work that year because you have no idea what that child is going through at home. A lot of our children come to school and we treat them like children, but when they go home, their parents, their adults, they're taking care of their siblings, they're taking care of their household, they're working paying half the uh, 25 to 50% of the household income, right? Mm -hmm. They're adults, but then they come in our building, we treat them like children. So I said, we're going to do away with that, right? We're going to do away with that. We're going to, we're going to take these, we're going to, we're going to, we're not going to take points off. I had teachers who just fought it, fought it, fought it, right? But at the end of the year, we increased our AP test taking by 42% and we increased our passing rate by 30%. Okay. Some teachers came and said, Mr. Davis, you're right. I even showed them that where college board said, you do whatever you can to get a a student prepared to take the ACT, the SAT, right? The AP Mm -hmm. test. And so some of those teachers came and said, Mr. Davis, you're right. You know, if I don't take the student's work and grade it fairly based on the scale, how do I know how this kid's gonna perform on this test, right? And they were happy because their grades went up. The, the number of threes, fours, and fives scored on the AP test was higher than ever. Mm-hmm. But then I had some teachers who left, even though they saw success, Yeah. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Their, their attitude was, I still don't believe in this. We should, because I don't think this kid should get an A. If this kid got, this kid turned in on time and got an A, and this kid turned in a day late and got an A, that's not right but there's nothing in our curriculum says time management. So what you do is when you change the behavior and the attitude is different, you call, it's called uh, cognizant dissonance, right? Okay. Where what you see and what you believe differ and it causes a dilemma inside of you. Yeah. So you either go, wait a minute, my attitude is wrong. Look at the behavior. Or you go, I don't really care what the behavior is yielding. This is my attitude, I'm leaving. You know, and so either way you have to come to grips with it. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's mm-hmm. attitude. Uh, and that's why if we can change your behavior and that's why we focus on that in schools and in companies, we don't really care what your attitude when you come to work. Yeah. Here's your job. Do your job. Right. If mm-hmm. we focus so much on the attitude, no work would get done. Mm-hmm. So then if your attitude prevents you from doing your job, then we intervene and go, OK, we're having a problem here. Right. So and so that's that's the difference between, you know, your beliefs wouldn't let you take a job. Yeah. Right. Yeah, but so your attitude, yeah. So that's the yeah. difference, right? Okay, okay, beautiful. So, do you feel kind enough or generous enough for us today to give us the rest of the? <laughs> the oh, we can talk about yeah because the book is the book is filled with a lot of things. Let me let me give you one uh, something about culture. This is a great one about culture. Okay. I was a, when I was a regional superintendent, I traveled to eight different cities in Texas, right? Okay, okay. All across Texas. And I'm talking about from West Texas to I went from Abilene to San Antonio to Houston to Dayton to Texarkana, all over all over Texas. <clears throat> mm-hmm. And when I would go to Houston, I would always stay at the uh, Spring Hill Marriott, mm-hmm. right? And I just stayed there because it was accessible is accessible to two of my campuses i could get to both of them in 20 minutes right okay and but the rooms are always clean and things like that i, I may be from far i may not understand exactly that but uh, i mean uh, when you where you stayed because i'm the spring hill yeah it's a hotel the spring hill marriott it's a hotel okay. chain okay you know it's a part of the marriott uh, hotel okay. chain and i don't know you know again yes yeah, so i don't know if they're all international but i know they do have some in in europe but okay. <clears throat> So Spring Hill Marriott, I would stay there. Mm-hmm. And what, what made me start staying there was I came in one day and the guy said, oh, oh Mr. Davis, 
uh, is there anything we can do for you? And I said, well, can you make sure I have firm pillows? It's okay. He picks up the phone. As I get to my room, the lady is walking out and said, I just changed your pillows out to firm pillows, right? Okay. It's a great, you know, man, that's what I felt. That was great customer service. I felt, wow, that was great. Mm -hmm. So the next morning, as I'm there, I'm having breakfast. I noticed that the management and her, their team, uh, the maids, the front desk, uh, the the porters, uh, the maintenance people, they're all sitting at the front counter and they're, they're talking. Okay. And then they, they clap and leave. And I was like, well, that's interesting. Yeah. So the next day, the next day I'm checking out and I was like, oh, well, two weeks later, I'm back there because I have, I'm, I'm, I'm in Houston every two weeks. I go back. And so this time I just asked, asked the, uh, asked the, uh, the manager, I said, okay, tell me about this meeting that you had, you know, when I was here last time, you got, he said, oh no, we do that every, every morning. Mm -hmm. Before we get started, it's called a stand, which is called an agile meeting, right? And mm -hmm. a stand is a meeting where everybody, it's like a 15 minute meeting and everybody chimes in, they say something, do this, they report this from today, the they give good news, bad news. How can we get better? Everybody does it. And it builds morale, right? Everybody's a part of this meeting. It's not the, it's not the manager or the CEO leading the meeting. It's everyone talking, right? Oh. And he said, um, he said, Mr. Davis, he was telling me about it. He said, well, I tell you what, here's a good example. Last time you were here, when we had breakfast, you asked the young lady if we had chicken sausage, right? Mm -hmm. I said, yeah, I did. He goes, well, guess what? It's on the menu now. You can get chicken sausage. And he okay. said, because, it, and I was like, and you remember, I asked that question, <laughs> right? And he said, well, I kind of made notes, you know, next year thing. And, and so when I saw that you had uh, made another reservation, you know, mm -hmm. we make sure we're going to have it on the on the menu today, on the buffet today. And I was like, wow. Okay. So, uh, the, well, from now on. So the agile meeting is a cultural changer, right? Yeah. It allows you to come in and before your day is started to talk about the expectations of the day. How can someone support you better? How can you support someone else better? Instead mm -hmm. of you walking in from having a bad night, bringing that bad night into your workplace and now having a bad day at work and making everybody else have a bad day. Mm -hmm. This at this stand meeting, this agile meeting, it changed that whole complexity of that culture, right? And I like, and I like the fact that uh, culture is going to influence the relationships that we talked about yes. before. Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. it, it ties together. You, you see, so you're tying it together, and that's exactly right. Yeah. So you think about this. You have a classroom culture mm -hmm. where students know what to expect, okay. right? Yeah. They know when it's time to, they know that the first 10 minutes of class, no one's leaving the classroom. We're going to focus on our focus questions. We're going to get our homework turned in. Uh, when it's time to, to transition from reading to doing an activity, this is how we're going to transition. Mm -hmm. right? When you build that culture and the students know what to expect, you have less disruptions. Okay. But when you have a culture where things just kind of happen, guess what's going to happen? Problems are going to happen, right? Yeah. Culture. Culture is, I tell people all the time, when I look at data, they go, well, Mr. Davis, you're going to, we're giving you a low performing school or a failing school. And they go, we got to look at the data and see, figure out what's going on. I can't figure out what's going on by looking at the data. I can figure out what's going on by looking at the culture. Yeah. See, data tells us where we are. Our culture tells us how we got there. Oh, okay. You think about that. Our yeah. daily practices tell us how we got there. If I have two teachers 
with great uh, 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 scores, great test scores, great uh, student achievement, and I have two teachers doing the same other course and they're low, I can go into those classes, but I even go in and I can tell you those two teachers with low expectations, I mean, low scores and low grades, they have bad classroom management. They have wow. no classroom procedures. There's mm -hmm. no culture in there of expectations, right? And mm -hmm. I can go into those, I can tell you that. And so I always tell teachers, do a social contract. A social contract says, okay, students, if something goes wrong, how would you like for me to handle it? Mm -hmm. And then you say, okay, if something goes wrong, how would you, how should I expect you to handle it? And the students write this contract, right? Yeah. And it's the expectations of the classroom. It's the behavior. If, okay, if someone is constantly disrupting class, what should we do? And, and the class is writing this. So then they sign off on it. So this is a social contract between the teacher and the students, but it was created and written by who? Students. Hmm. And so now the teacher gives you their expectations. Mm -hmm. And I'm gonna tell you this, I tell teachers all the time. If I see a teacher at the beginning of the year with 10 classroom rules, right? Mm -hmm. Don't talk, don't do this, don't. 10 rules. By the end of the year, that teacher has 25 rules because <laughs> students look at rules and decide, is it worth me breaking this rule? <laughs> right, and I wanna put this in perspective. Yeah. Let's say you wanna go to a concert mm -hmm. and it's it's a school night and your parents say, no, Anthony, you can't go to this concert. It's Wednesday night. You can't go to a concert on school night. And if you, if you sneak out and go, I'm going to uh, ground you this weekend. In your mind, you think if I go to this concert, man, I'm going to be so popular on campus. You know what? It's worth being grounded this weekend, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you just looked at the rule versus the consequence and decided that rule is worth breaking for this. Con that consequence isn't big enough, right? Mm -hmm. But expectations, expectations. A friend of mine, I went to went to see a, a speaker, and I, I'm going to get the generation wrong. He was either the great 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 grandfather, I mean great 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 grandson of Gandhi, or one of those generations, right? Okay. And he talked about, and this is expectation. He said his son, his dad asked him to uh, drop him off at the conference at a at a meeting, and he had to take the car to the shop. His dad said, "Pick me up at three o'clock." it'll be over they'd be done with the car well over there the westerns are big movies right they love western movies mm. and so they noticed that across the street from the shop was a theater and it was showing three john wayne movies right okay. so the son went over there and watched the uh the three john wayne movies okay. when he came out it was four o'clock uh -huh. so he went to pick up his dad and his dad says i've been waiting an hour what took you long and he said they just finished the car and the dad said this, he said, you know what? They, they lived, uh, I'm gonna say 20, uh, 18 miles, eight, no, I'm sorry, nine miles from the place, right? From the, from okay. the uh, nine miles. He mm -hmm. said, I can't believe that I did such a poor job as a father that I raised a son who would lie to me. He said, I am so ashamed of myself. I don't deserve to ride in a car with you. Mm -hmm. He made the son follow him as he walked nine miles home. Oh. Now, do you think yelling at the kid would have been worse or having to follow your dad home as he walked nine miles because you lied to him? What do you think? Which one? <laughs> oh. That's a culture of expectation. Do you mm. think that child lied to his dad again? He, no. he couldn't. He can't. No, he couldn't. Mm -hmm. He was like, and the guilt on that son for lying because the dad didn't say, you lied to me. 
The dad mm-hmm. said, I did such a poor job that I raised a son who would lie to me. Mm-hmm. I don't deserve to ride in a car with you. <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. Right? And, and the, the beauty in it is, if he had yelled at the son, the son would have been okay with that because picking him up late, I saw the movies, I picked you up late, I lied to you, and you yelled at me, eh, that's, I'm, I'm okay with that's, that, right? That's, that's a deal. That's a deal. That's a deal. <laughs> but having to drive behind your dad as he walked nine miles home, mm. Mm. You, got, you can't live with that. <laughs> oh, wonderful, wonderful. And I, I like that uh, you say, I made 10 rules now. By the end of the year, I'm going to have 25. Because <laughs> kids break rules. That's what they do. They, they, they like breaking. They like breaking. It's a joke, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, they say rules are meant to be broken, right? It's, yeah. a, it's, it's kind of a cliche. Rules are meant to be broken. But yeah. expectations. Mm-hmm. See, and that's people confuse us too. Rules are, you can't do this. You got to do this. That's a rule. Expectations mm-hmm. are built for your success. And that's that's the, the E in the brace that we are talking about. Oh no, the E is environment. Environment. Oh okay. environment. So environment. Environment. Okay. environment. So so the and expectations are in the culture. The expectations are in everything, right? In everything, okay. It is in everything. But I'm just saying when you when you have expectations, mm-hmm. if if I don't live this expectation, the teacher has a way for me to meet this expectation by doing another assignment. Okay. When you break a rule, you're punished. Yeah. There's no, there's no, there's no reward in it. There's no benefit in breaking a rule other than punishment. Uh-huh. If you don't live up to this expectation, well, let's do some more studying. I'm gonna let you retest to get you here, right? Mm-hmm. So expectations come with promise. Rules come with punishment. Uh-huh. <laughs> so now, I, and I tell you this: when I go to places and I talk about culture and I talk about environment. A lot of people like to think it's the same, right? Okay, tell us a bit about that. It's not. So, and and here's how I like to say it: um, mm-hmm. You and I can have a conversation, right, about anything, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we know the culture of that con- that conversation, right? That that right, but the climate, right? around the whole conversation is the culture, is the environment, Mm -hmm. right? So Mm -hmm. you've been, you've been in school before and you know, there's teachers who have great classroom management and there's teachers who don't. Yeah. But if you ever go to a school or a building, when you see this great atmosphere, Mm -hmm. when all the teachers have the same kind of expectations, the same kind of classroom culture, the same beliefs, same attitude, that's the environment. The okay. entire building embraces that environment. And now that's really difficult to do, right? Because you have so many teachers coming and going. But if you have, if you give a teacher a mentor teacher, right? Mm-hmm. To help them understand that environment, right? When students come into the building, there's a, uh, come into that environment, they expect that. And I believe, this is what I believe. I believe this wholeheartedly that. Yeah. It's not where our kids come from. It's what we bring them into that helps them learn, right? Oh, Okay. So if we create that environment, if you take, Anthony, what is your favorite bottle of water? Do you drink bottled water? Uh, yeah, not so much, but I do. Yeah. So if you ask somebody, what's your favorite bottle of water? They're going to give you different brands, right? Yeah. And they're going to tell you. I'm going to give you one from Greece because I'm in Greece that you may not be having where you are. <laughs> sure. But, but yeah, but, but, but here's the thing. 
but whoever, whatever I tell you, oh, my favorite water is Voss, whatever. Mm. I'm going to tell you why this water is better than all the other waters, right? Yeah. I'm going to tell you why. But if I take all those different bottled waters and I pour them into an ice tray, mm. right? And I don't tell you which ice is which. I mean, which, which water I put into which tray. And yeah. I take that ice tray and I place it into the freezer in, in an environment of 32 degrees. Yeah. It's going to turn to ice at the exact same time. Exactly. So no matter where our kids come from, no matter what, where they come from, if we pour them into an environment that's built on high expectations, student success, student-centered, where adults take time and invest in kids, our students are going to have success, mm. right? That's that yeah. environment, right? Mm -hmm. And that's why some, some students have success in some classes and they struggle in other classes. It's not because, oh, this kid is great at math and not English. No, it's because this teacher is great at what they do because the next year, the teacher is great at English and not great at math because they have a different teacher. But when we create that, that environment where every classroom has that same culture, yeah. They're going to be successful. Now, Anthony, I'll tell you this. There are some people who are going to say, well, Mr. Davis, when you bring the ice out, I can still tell you which ice is uh, this and which ice is that. You know, some ice is going to be a little bit more sharper than the other. And I'll just tell them, well, that'll be your valedictorian and your salutatorian. But the regardless is if you put if we put the create the environment and place students in that environment, they're going to be successful. Huh, beautiful. Right? Beautiful. But as long as we have a building filled with a bit, uh, an environment filled with different classroom cultural expectations, we're going to have different results. Yeah. And so I that's a different environment. Because I've, I've, I've uh, had this experience where after doing an exam, and everybody might have had this experience, a school does an exam, not a school, but uh, rather they whole, maybe a whole district do an exam. And then we have one great performing school in such a sub in, in one subject and then you'll come back to discover that it's the teacher that uh, maybe created that environment or taught well or had great relationships with the students so i agree with you in what you've said and, and here's the thing the worst thing we can do is when we have that great teacher mm -hmm. is to keep that teacher in a silo uh -huh. that teacher now needs to share across the network, what they're doing to be so successful, right? Uh -huh. To demonstrate lessons, you know, just here's the thing. So we have adult talk and student talk, right? Mm -hmm. And this is like, I'm a teacher, I'm explaining to the class and some kids got Mr. Davis, I don't get it. So I have another student explain it to them and they say exactly what I said. And the kid goes, I get it, I get it, right? Mm -hmm. Students understand students, teachers understand teachers. So when an administrator is trying to explain something, it may not go as well as if you have a teacher explaining to other teachers, yeah. uh -huh. right? And that, that is called peer tutoring, right? We know mm -hmm. that works. Mm -hmm. So when you have that teacher who constantly has these great scores and that teacher isn't sharing with anyone else, that teacher is not a great teacher. It's, she's a good teacher. Uh -huh. she's a, she becomes a superstar teacher when she shares with everybody else. And now every teacher is doing what she's doing. Every student is learning. But as long as it's just my students being the best, that's not a good, it's not a good environment. Ah, I like that. I like that. I like that. So knowledge should be shared widely oh. uh, with the others. In the school, in the district, or wherever they are, they should 
come together and tell the others what they are doing good so that we may all excel in that area. Exactly. And yeah. it's, called, it's called knowledge processing, right? Because mm. I can give it to you, Anthony, but if you don't use it, it's just information. Until mm. you put it to work. Mm-hmm. Once you put it to work, it becomes knowledge. Okay. But if you just have it, it's just information. Information. So now I've shared this. I shared this great information. I, we did this knowledge processing across all these schools. Mm. Now it's up to the leadership to make sure that teachers are doing it. Mm. Follow up on it, right? Good, good. Because there are so many teachers who are going to get that information, mm. go to the classroom, close the door, and keep doing what they were doing. Mm. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Thank you very much, Larry. So for those who are joining right now or you get to listen to this at this point, we are at Book Talk and uh, we have Larry Davis as a guest today and he's written a book, Working with Our 4D Students, the 4Ds being defiant, difficult, disrespectful, disruptive students. And, and it's my feeling that this book is not only important to uh, teachers or parents in this case, it's, it's important for all of us to get to go into that book and gather that information that is there and make it our knowledge and increase in our wisdom. Now, thank you very much also the viewers who've been with us and those who get to listen uh, after we are through with this conversation. And I would like to read a comment that is from one of the viewers who is John Kafuenyaga. He says, enough punishment for the son in lying to the dad. Can't imagine how painful to the son, quite a lesson to the son, so practical. That's, that's on the example that you gave. And um, we are just about to get off this interview and we covered just a little bit of what is in that book. We covered the acronym that Larry teaches, which is BRACE, B-R-A-C-E. That was beliefs, relationships, attitude, culture, and environment. Now, maybe in one minute, just give us a brief of the other points that we may get uh, from that book, please, Larry. Well, here's the thing, and, and, and I want everyone who reads the book to understand this book is about student success. Mm-hmm. And that often the barriers to student success are the beliefs, the relationships, the attitude, the culture and environment that adults set. Mm -hmm. That we need to rethink it. Every generation is different. We have Mm -hmm. to rethink how we approach and connect with our children. Mm -hmm. Uh, Great, here's a great quote that says, too many students don't know what success feels like. Thus repeated failure is no longer scary or painful. Mm -hmm. It becomes the norm, right? Mm -hmm. And here's the thing about, I want you to get, I want you to pitch this. The student who needs love the most will ask for it in the most unloving ways. <laughs> Interesting. Attention, negative attention is still attention. Oh yeah. If we give our, if we build relationships with our kids, we're giving them the attention they need. If we engage them into our classrooms, we're getting the attention they deserve. If we connect them to the school, they're no longer invisible, mm. right? Mm-hmm. We have to do our part as adults. Mm. We can't just, you know, we, we, we learned a long time ago that different students learn in different ways, but we still haven't started teaching to those different modalities, right? We know that there's different learning styles, right? We know mm-hmm. there's auditory, visual, kinesthetic, there's music, there's numbers. We know all these different things. I think at last I looked, there's nine or 10 different learning styles, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If we built an environment 
where we taught to those learning styles and we put kids in those rooms based on those learning styles, what kind of successful we have, mm -hmm. right? The mm -hmm. student would truly feel that this school was built for me, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. And so what I would like to leave every educator out there with, and I know this is not a the most uh, positive thing to say, but I'm going to tell you this. Mm -hmm. Every school in the world was built to educate children, yeah. not to employ adults. <laughs> Interesting. Every right? school in the world was built to educate students, not to employ adults. That's right. <laughs> That's beautiful. <laughs> beautiful. <laughs> yeah. So thank you very much. Uh, we really appreciate you coming to our book talk show. And uh, the wisdom that you shared with us is very important for us and we are going to employ it. But we have to get the book. So tell us, where can we get this book? This book you can get at LarryDDavis.com. Mm -hmm. right, you can go and get the book there and you can get the book at Amazon.com. Yeah, beautiful. We're going to get it. So those who are listening or watching, go get the book. If you're an, an educator, that's that's good. Go and apply it in your school. If you're a parent or, uh, yeah, if you're a parent, you need also to go and get the book because uh, school starts at home. It so, starts. If you're a teacher, take it to your principal and your superintendent and let them know yeah. that they need to get this book and I'll gladly come and do workshops with your schools and your communities. That would be great. And I believe it's all over the world, not only in the United States. Exactly. Yeah, so thank you very much. Maybe as, as a norm, as we usually do, before we go, give us some few words that we're gonna remember you with. Ah, words of wisdom. Mm. The needs of children should always outweigh the wants of adults. Oh, beautiful. The needs of the students should always overweigh the needs of adults. The wants of adults. Oh, the wants. Not yeah, the needs of students should always yeah. outweigh the wants of the adults. The wants of Ah, that's beautiful. Yeah. Oh, beautiful, beautiful. What, a, what, a, what an episode. We really appreciate you, Rai. And thank you, thank you, thank you very much for coming on to our show. And uh, yes, and thank you also to the viewers. Thank you. Please share this with your friends, your, your students, your school, your everyone that should listen to this and get this wisdom from Larry. Please share it with them. And uh, you can find us on all the other podcast platforms, Stitcher, Google Podcast, iTunes, name it. Just go search for Book Talk at Bookplace and you'll get us there. Thank you very much and bye for now. Bye.